0: Hi, and welcome back to the Book of Mormon podcast. This discussion is going to be on 3rd Nephi, Chapter 10. So let's go ahead and get into this one. Uh, again, the, the Nephites, uh, the destruction that's occurred on the on the Western Hemisphere, and there's been d- there's darkness upon the land, and uh, they're hearing that all these cities have been destroyed, And the righteous are the ones that are left, but they're still commanded to repent. So let's go on to verse 1. Now, behold, it came to pass that all the people of the land did hear these sayings and did witness of it. And after these sayings, there was silence in the land for the space of many hours. For so great was the astonishment of the people that they did cease lamenting and howling for the loss of their kindred, which had been slain. Therefore, there was silence in all the land for the space of many hours. And it came to pass that there came a voice again unto the people, and all the people did hear and did witness of it, saying, O ye people of these great cities which have fallen, who are descendants of Jacob, yea, who are of the house of Israel, how oft have I gathered you, as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and have nourished you. I'm wondering if uh, these words that are being heard here are also being heard by those in the spirit world, if that's who he's talking to. And again, how oft would I have gathered you as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings? Yea, O ye people of the house of Israel who have fallen, yea, O ye people of the house of Israel, ye that dwell at Jerusalem, as ye have, as ye that have fallen, yea, how oft would I have gathered you as a hen gathereth her chickens, and ye would not. O ye house of Israel whom I have spared, how oft will I gather you as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, if ye will repent and return unto me with full purpose of heart? Joseph Smith said, What was the object of gathering the people of of God in any age is to build temples? Verse 7, But if not, O house of Israel, the places of your dwellings shall become desolate. The first presence, he said, When Jesus was on the earth, he said to his people, How oft would I have gathered you? even as a hen gathereth her chickens. And if the saints of this dispensation do not listen to the call of the good shepherd and gather according to the holy commandment, the time is not far distant when the representatives of the Savior now on earth may have occasion to say as he said, Your house is left unto you desolate, For plagues, famine, pestilence, and death are beginning to circumscribe the earth. And where will safety be but in Zion, the land of God's appointing, the home of the saints? A land, choice in products and government above all other lands. Therefore we say unto you, Arise and come forth, and tarry not. For the great day of the Lord is at hand, and who shall abide his coming? That was by Heber C. Kimball and Brigham Young. First Presidency at the time. Continuing verse 7, until the time of the fulfilling of the covenant of your fathers. And now it came to pass that after the people had heard these words, behold, they began to weep and howl again because of the loss of their kindred and friends. And it came to pass that thus did the three days pass away, and it was in the morning. As we know, Jesus was crucified and died on the cross at three o'clock in the afternoon at Jerusalem, and consequently, for it to have been just three days and three nights, you might suppose that the darkness must have dispersed in the afternoon. But this book tells us that that when the three days and three nights of darkness had passed away, it was morning. Now why this discrepancy? For it seems to be one between the Bible and the Book of Mormon. And this is Orson Pratt that's speaking. Can you account for it and tell why it should have been morning in America? Now you you take a map of the world and see the difference in longitude between the place where Jesus was crucified and that where the writer of the Book of Mormon lived. And you, you will find that it is about seven and a half hours. Now you subtract seven and a half hours from three o'clock in the afternoon. And what time would it be? When the three hours of quaking and the destruction of cities expired, or when the darkness commenced, would it not be in the morning? Take away seven and a half hours longitude from three o'clock, the time that Jesus expired, and would it not be half past seven o'clock in the morning with the inhabitants of this land, while it was afternoon with the inhabitants in Jerusalem? Continuing verse 9, And the darkness dispersed from off the face of the land, and the earth did cease to tremble, and the rocks did cease to rend, and the dreadful groanings did cease, and all the tumultuous noises did pass away. And the earth did cleave cleave together again, that it stood, and the mourning and the weeping and the wailing of the people who were spared alive did cease. And their mourning was turned into joy, and their lamentations into the praise and thanksgiving unto the Lord Jesus Christ their Redeemer. This segment of the historical account also provides a glimpse of foreshadowing or foreshadowing of the glory of the second coming of Christ, which likewise will bring an end to death and destruction and will replace mourning and lamentations with praises of thanksgiving and worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. That was by Millet McConkie. Verse 11, and thus far were the were the scriptures fulfilled, which had been spoken by the prophets. And it was the more righteous part of the people who were saved. And it was they who received the prophets and stoned them not. And it was they who had not shed the blood of the saints who were spared. And they were spared, and were not sunk and buried up in the earth. And they were not drowned in the depths of the sea, and they were not burned by fire, neither were they fallen upon and crushed to death. And they were not carried away in the whirlwind, neither were they overpowered by the vapor of smoke and of darkness. And now whoso readeth, let him understand. He that hath the scriptures, let him search them, and see. And behold, if all these deaths and destructions by fire and by smoke and by tempests And by whirlwinds and by the opening of the earth to receive them. And all these things are not unto the fulfilling of the prophecies of many of the prophets. Lionel Kendrick said, The Savior provided counsel as to the way we should study scripture. He said, And now, whoso readeth, let him understand. He that hath the scriptures, let him search them. The prophet Joseph counseled, Search the scriptures. Search the revelations and ask your Heavenly Father in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, to manifest the truth unto you, and if you do it with an eye single to His glory, nothing doubting, He will answer you by the power of His Holy Spirit. You will then know for yourselves and not for another. You will not then be dependent on man for the knowledge of God, nor will there be any room for speculation. <clears throat> it is not enough to read the Scriptures. Random reading results in reduced retention. We must search for specifics We must seek for truth and increased understanding of its application in our lives. If we are to be effective in our study of the scriptures, we must prepare for it to be a special spiritual experience. Verse uh, verse 15, Behold, I say unto you, yea, many have testified of these things at the coming of Christ and were slain because they testified of these things. Up to the very moment when the terrible destruction began, the unbelievers were sure that the prophets had been wrong. They must have thought the prophets were negative, gloomy, and out of touch with reality. Then suddenly, in one great disastrous moment, it became clear just how much in touch with reality the prophets had been. Unfortunately for tens of thousands of those who had previously scoffed, there was no time to reevaluate their skepticism. Is it that much different in our own day? We have been amply warned of the impending judgment, which, we, which will every bit be as terrible and devastating as that which occurred in A.D. 34. Yet the world at large either ignores such warnings or condescendingly views the prophets as religious fanatics who are out of touch with the real world. In the preface to the Doctrine and Covenants, the Lord warned, And the day cometh that they who will not hear the voice of the Lord, neither the voice of his servants, neither give heed to the words of the prophets and apostles, shall be cut off from among the people. Note also Mormon's solemn words, and now whoso readeth let him understand. And that was out of the student manual of the Book of Mormon. Verse sixteen. Yea, the prophet Zenos did testify of these things, and also Zenic spake concerning these things, because they testified particularly concerning us who are the remnant of their seed. The prophets Zenus and Zenic are quoted several times by the prophets of the Book of Mormon. A possible reason for this prop- propensity in quoting them because or becomes evident in this reading assignment. The Nephites are descendants of the people of the prophets Zenus and Zenic. The historian records the prophet Zenos did testify of these things and also Zenix spake concerning these things because they testified particularly concerning us who are a remnant of their seed. That was by Daniel Ludlow. Verse 17, Behold, our father Jacob also testified concerning a remnant of the seed of Joseph. <clears throat> and behold, are not we a remnant of the seed of Joseph? And these things which testify of us, are they not written upon the plates of brass which our father Lehi brought out of Jerusalem? And it came to pass that in the ending of the 30 and 4th year, notice this is the ending of the 34th year that we're talking about here. <clears throat> Behold, I will show unto you that the people of Nephi who were spared, and also those who had been called Lamanites, who had been spared, did have great favors shown unto them, and great blessings poured out upon their heads, insomuch that soon after the ascension of Christ into heaven he did truly manifest himself unto them, showing his body unto them, and ministering unto them, and an account of his ministry shall be given hereafter. Therefore, for this time I make an end of my sayings." Um, Let me go back and read a couple things here from Bruce R. McConkie about this uh, ending of the 30th and 4th year. The Nephites adjusted their calendar so as to begin a new dating era with the birth of Jesus, and according to their chronology, the storms and the darkness and the crucifixion came to pass on the fourth day of the first month of the 34th year. Thus, in the ending of that year, several months after the ascension of all of it, Jesus ministered personally among the Nephites for many hours on many days. Keep in mind that the Jewish calendar had two new years. Uh, There's an ecclesiastical new year and then there's a civil new year. The ecclesiastical new year began in the spring, and the civil or the civic uh, year, the one where kings are, are crowned, is in the fall of the year. So if he's saying that, he, so it doesn't really give us an idea here of the ending of the thirty and 4th year. Is that the civil or the ecclesiastical year? We don't know. Uh, which means it could be six months after Jesus' crucifixion, or it could be a whole year after Jesus' crucifixion. So it's a little unclear as to when that happened. The signs of Christ's death came on the fourth day of the first month in the 34th year. Mormon here tells us that Christ appeared to the Nephites in the ending of the 34th year, thus suggesting that it was several months following his old world ascension into heaven before he came to the Nephites. It is possible that the Savior visited the Nephites well before the end of the year, as stated here by Brother McConkie. The Book of Mormon record says that soon after the ascension of Christ into heaven, he did truly manifest himself unto the Nephites. It would appear that from the manner in which the Book of Mormon prophets speak of the ascension that they have reference to his ascension immediately following his resurrection and not to that formal occasion 40 days after which later became known among Christian peoples as the ascension. Viewing the time differences between the old and new worlds, there would be no reason why he should not have ministered as a resurrected being among the Nephites during the same interval in which he was continuing his resurrected walk with his followers in Jerusalem. So it's possible that Jesus also ministered among the Nephites during the same time frame that he was ministering unto the people in the old world in Jerusalem. All of this is possible. Joseph Fielding Smith said, when we when did Jesus appear to the Nephites? Question. Several years ago, I was asked to make a talk on the events which took place on the American continent at the first Easter. In studying for the talk, I discovered that it was almost a year from the time that Christ was crucified until he showed himself to the Nephite multitude at the temple in the land bountiful. And it came to pass in the 30 and 4th year, in the first month, there rose a great storm. And it came to pass in the ending of the thirty and fourth year, behold, I will show unto you that the people of Nephi who were spared, there is still a misconception of the event or these events in the minds of many of our members. Perhaps it doesn't really matter. Will you please discuss it? Answer. It is true that there has been a misconception in the minds of many members of the church, but a careful reading of the account will clear up these misconceptions. It is true that a hasty examination will leave the impression that there was a delay of about a year after the resurrection of the Lord before he visited the Nephites and Lamanites who were spared, but more attention to what is written shows that it was but a very short time after his resurrection that the Lord appeared to the people who were assembled near the temple in Bountiful. This false conclusion that practically a year had passed from the time of the resurrection until the Lord appeared on this hemisphere has been published and circulated throughout the church. Therefore, we are justified in asking our brethren and sisters, and all who read the Book of Mormon, to pay close attention to the details of the story. In verse five, it says, "We in chapter eight, verse five, we discovered that in the thirty and fourth year, in the first month, on the fourth day of the month, there arose a great storm, such an one as never had been known in all the land." The succeeding verses give much of the detail of the destruction which followed. This evidently was at the time when Jesus was on the cross. Chapter 9 continues this story of destruction. And during this storm, the voice of Jesus was heard in which he gave reasons for the great destruction. And he said, O all ye that are spared, because ye were more righteous than they, will ye not now return unto me and repent of your sins and be converted that I may heal you? Behold, I am Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I created the heavens and the earth and all things that in them are. I was with the Father from the beginning. I am in the Father and the Father in me and in me hath the Father glorified his name. All of this was while the great darkness covered the earth and Mormon then through the ninth and tenth chapters commented upon the terrible destructions which had taken place, he closes the tenth chapter in these words. And it came to pass in the ending of the thirty and fourth year, behold, I will show unto you that the people of Nephi who were spared and also those who had been called Lamanites who had been spared did have great favors shown unto them and great blessings poured out upon their heads insomuch that soon after the ascension of Christ into heaven, he did truly manifest himself unto them, showing his body unto them and ministering unto them, and an account of his ministry shall be given hereafter. Uh, Here he declares that it was soon after the Savior's ascension into heaven that he appeared to the Nephites and Lamanites on this continent. And his ascension was the day of his resurrection, after his appearance to Mary at the tomb, and before his appearance to the disciples that same day. The reason why Mormon discontinued his account at this point is not stated. Evidently, he was writing during the days of the great struggle with the Lamanites for the Nephite existence, and it is very possible that some sudden emergency had arisen so that he had temporarily to close his record. However, he continued his story where he broke off and states that there was a great multitude gathered together around round about the temple in Bountiful. It seems perfectly clear <clears> that that this great gathering was immediately after the close of the dreadful period of darkness. We read that the people were marveling and wondering one with another and were showing one to another the great and marvelous change which had taken place. While they were marveling and pointing out to each other these changes and conversing, they heard a voice. It was not a harsh voice, neither was it a loud voice. Nevertheless, and notwithstanding, it being a small voice did pierce them that did hear to the very center. Uh, And then continuing on, the fact that the multitude had gathered at the temple and were pointing out to each other the great changes that had occurred is evidence that this was an event immediately following the resurrection of our Lord. If this event had occurred one year later, the multitude would have been perfectly familiar with these great changes, and they would not have been so awed by them. It was in great astonishment and wonder that they had gathered and were pointing out to each other what had occurred. Moreover, it is contrary to reason that Jesus would make the Nephites and Lamanites, who had been faithful, wait for one whole year before He would make His appearance and give them instruction in relation to the closing of the period in which the law of Moses was in force and the period when the fullness of the gospel was ushered in. And that was uh, again Joseph Fielding Smith in answers to gospel questions. We should say what we do not what we do not know for certain when Christ appeared to the Nephites. We just we just know that he did. Here is another alternate view. What if the Savior's appearance to the Nephites occurred six months after his resurrection or in the fall of the year, say around the Feast of Tabernacles or Day of Atonement? If it occurred during that time period, that might also be a type in a shadow of when the second coming will occur. So we don't know for sure how long it was between his death and and visit to the Nephites, but to us it doesn't matter. Uh, The fact is that he did appear and that's all that really matters. I bear testimony of the truth of these things and that as we uh, understand uh, these events and how they uh, also relate to the second coming. And I bear testimony to that in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See you next time.